Global Accessibility Awareness Day. So let's talk about the state of accessibility tech, especially as we inch closer to a post-pandemic world. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. Here to discuss the issue is CNET reporter Abrar Alhidi. Welcome, Abrar. Thank you so much for having me. So just to lay the foundation for our readers, can you talk about how accessibility tech has advanced during the pandemic? Yeah, so during the pandemic, we've a lot of us have been working from home, studying from home, and you know, socializing from home. And so this has kind of forced a lot of the platforms that we rely on, like Zoom and Slack, to essentially recognize that there are people who really will rely on these platforms to be as accessible as possible. So we saw Zoom roll out automated closed captioning on all accounts, including free accounts. And then we had Slack, um, you know, become more accessible, more compatible with screen readers. So people who are blind can more easily access their messages. And these are just a few examples of um, platforms that have really, really been critical over the past year and a half that have really stepped up their accessibility game. That's an interesting point. And I'm just curious how why those advances were made. Were they made specifically to address the, the needs of the disability community? Or was it just a, a fact that more people were using these platforms or rely on these platforms? And there was just more, I guess, of an impetus to roll out some of these features? Yeah, I think it was both because, you know, disability rights activists have been very, very vocal about these issues, about how a lot of the platforms that a lot of people rely on aren't fully accessible to people. And suddenly it became inescapable, right? Like this is the only way we have to communicate with with people sometimes. And so they couldn't, they could no longer kind of wiggle their way out of this. And so it becomes critical for these companies to really roll out these features so that everyone is able to connect. And you got you gave a couple of other examples in the story you wrote today that sort of talks about the state of accessibility. Like, what are some of the other features that were put in place largely because of COVID nineteen and the lockdown? Apple had a really cool feature rollout late last year called um, the people detection feature. And this essentially uses LiDAR to detect people around you. So if you have any of the iPhone 12 models, it'll alert you um, when somebody gets really close to you. And that really helps with social distancing because you have to stay six feet away from people. And we all have our phones on us. And so that really helps to, you know, help people who are blind detect how close somebody is to them or not, because that's something that one of the sources I spoke to said that she was really, really nervous when she went to the grocery store for the first time last month because she wasn't sure how close people are to her because, you know, her her dog doesn't know, you know, social distancing and she can't see the people around her, but she felt like they were being too close. Um, so this can really help people. Although one of the issues is that these iPhones are really, really pricey. You're paying at least a thousand dollars and not everyone can afford that. So hopefully that's something that rolls out to more devices. Um, but that was one really, really uh, critical kind of development in, in the in the mobile space. Definitely. I, the, and it's clear to note that it's the, the iPhone 12 Pros. Those Pro models are the ones that have the LiDAR sensor that allows for people detection. And, and to your point, the starting price for that thing is about 1000 bucks, So not exactly accessible from a price perspective. So hopefully, like as you said, that gets trickled down to more affordable technology. Now, I, you wrote about this issue a year ago for Global Accessibility Awareness Day last year, really talking about how some of these advances were being made in, in the midst of the pandemic. You know, as things are slowly, hopefully, going back to normal, uh, what what is the biggest concern from the disability community? The biggest concern is that organizations and companies are going to forget that people with disabilities need these accommodations. They need to be able to work remotely. They need to be able to connect um, virtually a lot of the time. And so the, the fear is that 
everyone will go back to their quote unquote normal lives and leave people behind. And they're they're worried that any progress that has been made during the pandemic um, will be forgotten or that will will regress. And so the hope is really that companies will continue to build upon any accessibility features that they rolled out instead of just kind of forgetting and that employers will recognize that, hey, maybe not everyone wants to go back to the office or not everyone wants to physically attend this event and, and that those virtual options will remain an option. Right. And you talked about remote work in particular, and I know it's, it's obviously been a status quo for a lot of people over the last year. But as people go back to the offices, what what exactly are disability advocates, you know, hoping for when it comes to sort of the state of remote work and, and or remote conferences and things like that? They're hoping that conversations about this issue will continue and that employers and employees will be able to talk and, you know, recognize that not everyone is able to safely commute to work, if, especially if they're living in a busy downtown area, working in a busy downtown area. There are lots of hazards. One of the sources I spoke to said that he almost fell in a construction zone pit because he just, he, he's blind and he wasn't able to, to see that there was this danger right in front of him. And somebody was able to stop him, thankfully. But, you know, after that, that was the trigger. It was like, no, I need to work remotely. This is something that my company needs to acknowledge and thankfully they did but that's something that that they're hoping continues as as the world slowly reopens and you know going forward what are some examples of you know future or or built further updated accessibility features that uh, advocates are asking for so one of the things that somebody mentioned, which I thought was really interesting, was that even though Zoom rolled out automated closed captioning, um, they said that you know obviously AI is not always accurate, and so these are you know AI generated captions, and if a few words here and there are you know mis translated essentially or, or um, misinterpreted, that could be a big deal. That can make a big difference. And so what they would love to see is human captioners uh, on Zoom. And so these would be people who would essentially type up the things that are being spoken instead of having a machine do that. And so um, so that would be really helpful also because people could then communicate with those people if they had questions. There's a real human on the other end. So if I don't understand something, if I have a question, if I have a comment, I can reach out to a human being and then my insight can be included in this meeting or in this gathering. Um, um, one other really cool thing that somebody is doing is there's research being done at uh, Queens College that they're looking at ways to animate online text into American Sign Language. So you'd have this little like virtual human signing uh, written text. So people who are deaf can then also follow along. That's interesting. Yeah, one of the, the concepts that uh, sort of intrigued me is the idea that some of these features are designed for specific communities, um, but ultimately serve everyone like. Uh, the example I could give is sort of the house, sidewalk ramps uh, don't just benefit folks with who are in wheelchairs, but also you know parents with strollers, and it's just generally easier to walk through. I'm scared if there are any of these other kinds of accessibility features that you see coming down the line that have the pot- potential to not just benefit certain segments of the population, but but really everyone in a in a surprising way. What I think is so interesting about where we are right now is that we can all collectively agree for the most part that working remotely for those of us who have been able to do that has been really, really nice. And so this is just one example of how 
This accommodation that people in the disability community have asked for for years and been denied is something that is now accessible to everybody and that we've all been doing and we've realized the perks of this. And so it's just such a clear example of how accommodations that roll out for everybody in the disability community will also benefit all of us as well. So it's not just the right thing to do to make sure that everybody has access to, to a conference or to um, you know, a meeting or just their work in general. But, you know, this is something that that all of us can reap the benefits of. Definitely. And you also wrote about the importance of education in this area. Can you talk a bit about that? So one of the points that disability advocates make is that if we want to change the, if we want to make products more accessible across the board, we have to start with students. We have to start with students in engineering schools and boot camps because then when they enter the workforce, they're able to understand and know how to make products and platforms more accessible from the get-go. Instead of releasing a product, getting feedback and criticism and then being like, oh, we'll fix it. Like that doesn't work. We need to make sure these products are accessible from the start when they roll out. And so there are organizations like Teach Access, which is really cool because it works with um, with universities, with um, companies and disability rights activists and organizations to ensure that education incorporates uh, accessibility uh, accessibility tech as well. Great. And you, you talked to the co-founder of the Global Accessibility Awareness Day uh, and, and talked about the new initiative he has. Can you talk a bit about that, the, the GAD Foundation and what that aims to do? Yeah, the GAD Foundation, it's this new, it's a new nonprofit, and it essentially wants to make sure that accessibility is a core requirement in in touch in tech and digital product development. So one of the ways it wants to do this is through something called the GAD Exchange. And that's essentially a platform where engineers and product managers and designers can connect with people with disabilities and, and then they can learn and talk about how people use tech so that they can better understand how they can create products for that community as well. That's something that the co-founders of GAD cited as being an area that engineers and product managers wanted to have more of because they're just not aware of what products and services um, aren't fully accessible and how to change that. Definitely. That that added perspective is absolutely critical. Abrar, thanks for your time. You can check out her story on CNET.com, as well as all of our tech-enabled coverage. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge or sign up for direct text messages from me by heading to cnet.co slash daily charge. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening. <laughs>